Welcome, and thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Matthews Podcast, a podcast highlighting commercial real estate news, topics, and trends from top professionals in the industry. Uh, today, we'll, we'll be diving into the multifamily sector and the market performance across the U.S. with specialized multifamily agents, Daniel Withers, Charles Wright, Connor Kearns, and Austin Graham. Dan Withers brings nearly 20 years of experience in commercial real estate to his role as Senior Vice President and Senior Director for Matthews Multifamily Business. Thanks, Dan. Charles Wright is ranked as one of the top investment sales brokers in Los Angeles and is a VP of the Matthews Multifamily Division. Connor specializes in the disposition and acquisition of multifamily properties nationwide, specifically in the Atlanta MSA and surrounding submarkets. And Austin Graham is a trusted client advisor in the multifamily space, assisting clients buying and selling investments all across the Southeast. So thanks guys for joining us. Thanks for having us. Right. Thrilled thanks, to be here. Matt. Thank you guys. Yeah, Welcome to the podcast and let's dive in. Uh, to kick this episode off, uh, let's jump right into the current state of the multifamily market and take a look at current fundamentals. So Dan, start with you. How has the multifamily market fared this year? You know, I think if you're, you know, looking in the rearview mirror and you're looking at where we came from to where we are today, um, you know, exiting, I shouldn't say exiting COVID, but, you know, dealing with COVID back in 2020, there was a lot of heartburn for a lot of owners and a lot of operators here in Southern California. Uh, we are now kind of exiting that heartburn and getting to more of a stabilized operations. Uh, we're seeing, um, you know, six to six and a half percent rent growth over this last year. Um, we're seeing vacancies are slowly coming down. Um, right now, we're hovering right around 3.6% um, here locally. Um, so I would say just overall operations are great. Um, and we're seeing positive things happen in the marketplace. We are seeing an uptick in transactions taking place. If you look at kind of the private client, private capital, uh, one to 20 million range, uh, we've seen over a billion dollars of total sales velocity taking place from last year to this year, an additional billion dollars in sales velocity. So wow. positive things are happening um, on the construction side. Um, there is a lot of headwinds that we're still experiencing because of the disruption in the supply chain. Um, and we will continue to see that moving forward. Um, on the construction side, it seems like the only deals that are really getting done on the new construction side are for higher end communities. Um, if you look at the last 12 months, I think Los Angeles as a whole delivered about 10,000 new units to the marketplace. Of those 10,000 units, 9,700 were for A and B uh, communities, um, which now puts a, a bigger emphasis on affordable housing and what that's going to do moving forward in Southern California, where the entry is so expensive. Uh, huh. But overall, I'd say the market's very, very strong here in Southern California. So overall, very positive. What have been the specific challenges in Southern California that you that you guys have seen over the last year? I would say, you know, to kind of add to the disruption of the supply chain is is what's driving a lot of operators right now, um, getting units turned quickly uh, when they can't get the product. Um, we're seeing developers uh, fighting not only to keep uh, their subs working on projects, but also get the municipalities in line um, to get projects turned at a lot faster clip. Um, and then also, you know, obviously getting the product online. Um, 
but overall, uh, it's you know, considering where we came from, it's 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 a good market we're in right now here in Southern California. That's great. That's great. Uh, overall, now, what does the investment sentiment look like? Is there any lasting fallout from the economic shutdowns experienced in 2020? Yeah, you know, um, part of the issue, I guess, moving forward for folks is making sure that the properties that they're buying, people are paying rent. You know, it's it's so important for for investors when they're looking at deals, they want to know the story from us as brokers as to who are the tenants, you know, what are their jobs, where do they work, what what is their ability to pay rent have they paid rent uh you know are they going to be able to pay rent moving forward that that matters pretty deeply to to investors right now um because it specifically in los angeles if somebody's not paying rent uh there's there's no way you can go about evicting them or or trying to displace that tenant there's there's laws in place that that really protect them. So investors have to be very careful with that. Um, and have, have so, you, have you seen an increased level of diligence that wasn't there prior? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, the the amount of tenant ledgers that I have seen uh, this year that buyers want to see, like the history of a of a tenant and their the trends of them paying rent, that is there's a huge uptick in that. You know, uh, who's fallen behind, by how much, what is their balance, um, and who's been consistently paying rent and what percentage of the property or what percentage of the units are paying rent on time and so forth. That has been the biggest uptick uh, as far as um, uh, what a buyer will want to see during their due diligence period. Um, and then, you know, to, to piggyback on Dan, on the, the huge uptick from 2020 to 2021, as, as far as sales volume is concerned, um, you know, just from January 2020 to December 2020 versus January 2021 to December 2021, you're looking at a 37% increase in sales volume. So um, in 2020, at this point of the year, we had, you know, five units and up in the city of Los Angeles, 565 properties that were sold. That was last year. And this year, you're looking at 771 properties that have been sold uh, this year. So it's a it's a huge uptick, and so it's it's really interesting, right? Like we're talking about headwinds and we're talking about problems and, and obstacles that buyers need to overcome, and uh, they're still buying at a much more aggressive clip this year than they were last year. Interesting. And which which of those markets specifically is showing the the strongest performance? This is to yeah. this is to everybody, obviously, because you all have uh, different regions and expertise in each one. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at submarkets that are trending positively here in Southern California, it's your it's the usual suspects. It's your your Glendale, Long Beach, Koreatown. Um, those areas are seeing uh, major transactions taking place. I think in, in those specific submarkets had over 430 transactions uh, over the last 12 months. Um, we're seeing investors flock to the normal areas that they normally would. It's the outlining areas that you, they're, they're less desirable. 
It's the areas, you know, in, in the Southern California here in like the Lancaster, the Palmdales, you're kind of outlining areas. They're the they're the the first areas to go when there's a a downturn in the, in the last area to kind of come back um, and see positive trends. Um, but there's no surprises. I mean, if you just look at overall transaction and where those are taking place, they're all the hotbeds that have always been uh, here in Southern California, and, I, and we continue to see that. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, really all throughout the Sun Belt, honestly. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that goes into why these markets in the Southeast have been performing so well and why you're seeing a lot of capital kind of flooding down into these areas. Um, but really, all you know, the major, Texas included, but really all throughout the Southeast, your Atlantas, your Nashvilles, your Charlottes, Raleigh, um, those types of major metros within the Southeast, there's a lot of good fundamentals that have been going in it and kind of exacerbated by COVID, to be honest, that's uh, led to a lot of money coming in this direction. And we imagine that'll probably stay true for, for a good little bit here. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, another another driving force is, is, of course, you know, interest rates, just because uh, these lower income areas that you're seeing in, in Atlanta and throughout Georgia and the Southeast that have historically been lower income areas, uh, you're seeing Fannie, Freddie, you know, the biggest agency lenders getting very aggressive on the interest rate component. So that that is driving a lot of capital down to those markets, um, which is good because you want those those properties um, to, to start, you know, gaining some speed as far as, uh, you know, capital intake goes. So Speaking on, too, with the lower income areas of Southern California, a lot of these markets, your market rent is going to be Section 8 tenants, where it's subsidized housing. And so what we've seen as well is that is as close to guaranteed rent as you're going to receive. So a lot of owners were doing very well in 2020 and and this year as well because they're getting uh section 8 rent uh on time every single month um and it's it's about as close to guaranteed income as you're going to get so there was not a huge motivation from those owners to want to sell those properties and when those pro- when we did bring those properties to market the price per units and the price per foots that we're typically seeing in years past or months past have gone up pretty significantly as well because when those properties come to market, buyers want to buy those properties for the same reasons that owners are comfortable holding. It's to have good, good steady cash flow. Tackling a, a lot of issues here, and but what, one thing I wanted to focus in there on the movement and the and the explosion of the the Sun Belt states here. You know, one of the one of the reasons we're seeing is people moving down because it's more affordable. Um, but across the country, we know rents are growing at an unprecedented rate, but income is not, or at least it hasn't been yet. And affordable housing is limited. So, Austin, can you, can you touch on the affordable housing issues that we're seeing in these markets and some of the, the reasons behind this? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's been, frankly, it's been an issue for a long time um, that really you know, in some, you know, if you're follow certain political spectrums and things like that, I mean, that's why you're seeing um, rent control being on the ballot a lot of places. But affordable housing has been a problem for a while. 
But throughout COVID, you've got a lot of reasons that it's been really exacerbated. Um, and rent growth has just exploded. And you see in some area in, in Atlanta, 19, 20%, frankly, over the last 12 months. And a big part of that is you know, straight, simply supply and demand. Uh, you've got housing prices going through the roof. You got more people becoming and likely being renters for a long period of time. And as that demand continues to grow and grow and grow, the amount of the production and the development of affordable units is just not even close to matching up to where it would work out at all. So um, you see what people in their underwriting on a lot of these deals, they're underwriting continued uh, really aggressive rent growth, but really eventually you're going to find a, a precipice where people's incomes are not keeping up with the level of rent growth that they're seeing you know, investors could potentially get into trouble. Um, but it's really an issue for, you know, for the renters more than anything and being able to afford a quality place to live. And you've got things like construction costs are just through the roof to where it costs much to develop. It's the logical aspect of building more affordable housing is increasingly difficult. So, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that goes in, you know, go into it. There's some viable um, options that, you know, were, are being talked about, but you know, that's it's certainly something to to keep an eye on. Uh, might be an opportunity for you know some developers and investors in the future to you know capitalize on that. But you know, it's certainly something to to pay attention to. I think. Thank you, thank you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about kind of digging in on that migration trend. So you know, headlines are saying that everyone's kind of fleeing California and New York, these kind of higher cost states, both corporations and people to be to have, you know, more affordable lifestyles and more uh, business friendly environment. Uh, what effect has that had on the multifamily market, if any? We're seeing people go from investing in California, like people that have owned apartment buildings in California and operated them for years. Like this has been their business plan and they're so comfortable going outside of the state to go and, and uh, purchase property uh, in the Southeast, in the Midwest, Southwest. And so there's, there's a comfortable ability there where people are, are very, very bullish on going out there and executing a business plan without local legislation getting in the way. Um, now, with that though, there's 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 certainly a sentiment where you know Los Angeles multifamily because of the rent control, the strict rent control laws, um, it's it's got a little bit of a black eye or or it's not as exciting as it used to be. But because of that, I mean these cap rates outside of the state are incredibly low, and so you can still in Southern California you can still find you know, four to four and a half percent cap rate deals with with upside. And so you do have a number of of investors that want to stay here. They they know that this this uh, this market will rebound and rebound quite well. So uh, I think it's a matter of time until people really start getting excited about investing in in Southern California, but even more specifically, Los Angeles again very soon. Yeah, and I'd also add to it that if you look at the overall fundamentals in Southern California, it's a very high cost of entry market. So not only is land very expensive to get into, but existing product is very expensive to get into. And then you take in consideration uh, cost of labor, um, 
what the uh, municipalities are doing to try to promote more housing. Um, they don't make it easy for a lot of these developers. So if you look at Southern California as a whole, there's a huge supply and demand issue. Um, and that will not correct itself anytime soon, especially with the supply chain that we have in place right now. I mean, we're years and years and years away from being able to absorb the amount of units that we need here in Southern California. So that bode well for any operator in today's marketplace. Um, but as Charles said, we are seeing a great deal of investors right now, the, the kind of the legacy owners, uh, operators that have been in the market 20, 30 years that are kind of tired of the local municipalities and they've, they're sitting on a lot of equity and we're seeing a lot of those owners right now reposition that equity and getting into more friendlier states um, and maybe less management intensive opportunities. Um, so it's, it's definitely an interesting time here in Southern California. Yeah, we, uh, we've certainly seen that um, in the retail world as people exit out of the more complicated management intensive, uh, you know, larger multifamily projects and just plug it into bond like single tenant net lease in the Midwest where you can still garner some yield. Uh, so, yeah, it's certainly been a, a trend that's uh, we've seen happening and is going to likely continue well into the future. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's start to wrap this up here. What what's in store for multifamily in 2022? Uh, you know, Austin, why don't you start us off? What do, do you have any parting words, any predictions, any major trends that you guys are looking um, or you're predicting for the next year or two? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine the run. You know, it's been a good run for multifamily, obviously, for a long time. Um, there's a lot of demand. I think that's going to continue at least for the next year or two as you know, liquidity remains strong in the market. Interest rates likely still remain historically low relative to what they have been in the past. And, you know, limited inventory and things like that um, will probably bode well. And, you know, the, there's a good reason why it's multifamily has been kind of seen as a darling child throughout COVID. Um, I imagine a lot of that sentiment will probably remain in the coming, you know, year or two. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just jump in as well, just from a, a Southeast perspective. Um, you know, for us, there's there's just been a lot of employment growth with Microsoft, Google, Cisco, Visa, you know, larger technology companies moving into town. Uh, you know, that is ultimately bringing people. Um, and so those people need somewhere somewhere to, to live ultimately. And uh, the housing market is just absolutely through the roof. So that's going to just naturally push uh folks to multifamily and in uh just improve the rental rental market um so that is also why why we're very bullish in uh in 2022 with uh, obviously what austin touched on great fundamentals with where interest rates are and uh from a liquidity standpoint so um yeah we just continue to to see this this trend on into next year Connor, I have a question for Connor and Austin. What, who are your buyers in the Southeast? Like who, who have been the buyers in 2020, 2021? And do you, do you see any change in 2022? Um, well, uh, you know, it's, it's really all, all across the country. I would say there is a very large group that is coming out of New York, New Jersey. Um, you know, those, 
those markets are, are really affected by the regulatory environments up there. Um, and so in search of yield, in search of, you know, population growth, job growth, all the, the key fundamentals that drive multifamily, that's pushing a lot of those historic buyers in the New York, New Jersey area down to the southeast. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you still have your local Atlanta and, and Georgia, really Southeast buyers who have been here for years and years and years. Um, it's gotten a lot harder to for those groups to buy in locations where they have historically bought in the past just because of this newfound competition. Um, so we are seeing, you know, some of those historic groups that have owned in Atlanta, let's say, um, being pushed out into the, the secondary or more tertiary markets because they're just searching for for yield and the historic yield that they've been able to give their investors um, owning in Atlanta. Well, I'll, and I'll jump on that real quick. Just what I've seen over the last, really for the last two or three years, a lot of the capital has been, has been and I call it coastal capital, but a lot of it's been coming from the West Coast. And what I really noticed over the last 12 months is with COVID is New York is just been a flood of money from there um, to where you talk to owners and, you know, they'll have gotten, you know, 10 unsolicited offers from random groups out of New York who are just dumping everything they have and trying to get down here. And like Connor said, with historically, the people in the Southeast have been very price per pound based in the way they look at deals and trading at similar price per units or price per foot for a long time. And they've been relatively low. And then you've got people out of California and New York who have been buying things for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a unit for forever um, coming in and they're looking at a yield. And the local guys just haven't been able to basically recalibrate and adjust to the new world of investing down here. And um, you know, see some people's kind of coming around, like Connor said, kind of, a lot of them are getting pushed out of the market. And, you know, if you track where the money's coming from, it's, it is largely out of state, you know, the smaller deals, you still have a lot of the local buyers and whatnot, but even those, you've got people from all over the place, you know, wanting to come to the Sunbelt for lots of different reasons and regulatory political reasons, um, you know, rent control and things like that. They've been trying to escape that for years. And I imagine we'll probably see a lot of the same. Dan, any, any final thoughts from the West coast? I mean, look, I think we're, you know, if you look at where we were last year compared to this year, we're trending in the right direction. COVID uh, definitely affected a lot of apartment owners uh, and it affected a lot of individuals here locally. Um, but I think we're now moving forward in the right direction. Um, I anticipate with interest rates being uh, historically low um, and with uh, the issues we have uh, faced right now with inflationary issues that we're presented in the marketplace. I think uh, multifamily is gonna, is gonna have a great, great year. Uh, and I anticipate if we sit down next year at this time, we're gonna see transaction volume uh, higher than what we've seen this year. Uh, and I think we'll see rent growth better than we've seen this year. Uh, everything here locally is very favorable and trending in the right direction. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about Southern California real estate um, and I'm excited to, to see what happens next year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And in all in all real assets, it's just been a, a hunt for yield. So it's no different in, in multifamily, one of the, the most popular of the asset classes here over the last couple of years and historically. So 
Anyway, uh, so thank you all for joining us and sharing your insights. Uh, these are really important topics and we, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate your time today. I know you're all very busy. Uh, take care and be sure to tune in next time with the Matthews Podcast. Thank you.